But if you're checking in, let's say every five minutes, when you realize that you missed a turn, now it's only a small course correction. And that's what failures are. Welcome to the Fail Fast Podcast. This is the show where I interview entrepreneurs and we discuss their biggest failures in business and life. Today's guest tells us how he spent his wedding fund in a training course that he didn't get to use. Make sure to listen till the end. Now let's get to the show. Today we have a guest from New York. He is a lifestyle builder, he's a coach, and he helps entrepreneurs just like us grow and have more profits. So with us today, we have Tom Sylvester. How are you, Tom? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Very good. So, um, Tom, I know you have your share of successes, but of course, since this is the Fail Fast podcast, we're here to talk about some failures you, you had. Is there any failure in particular that you want to mention, something that happened to you? Oh, yeah. And I mean, you know, first off, I just got to say, I love the concept of this show because so many people get into entrepreneurship and they see people that are successful and they don't realize that there's usually a string of failures along the way before they got successful. So I just love the concept of the show and I'm so glad you're talking to entrepreneurs about this stuff. Yeah. Th thank you so much. <laughs> I actually, that reminded me of that, uh, the, the common notion that people have the overnight success when yeah. it takes, you know, a, a, 20 years to build that overnight success. Yeah, I was going to say, so So our overnight success took about 10 years to build. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, yeah, so I mean, we've had we've had a lot of failures over the years, but the biggest one that really like turned things around for us, um, basically, quick backstory, my wife and I actually met the first day of college. She was literally the first girl that I met. And so like that was awesome. We had four years of college, awesome experience. And as we were getting ready to graduate, I started looking ahead and my degree was in computer science and hers was in zoology. And I'm like, you know, this is cool, but I don't want to work in a cube for the next 45 years. Like I don't want to sit in front of a computer, you know, just developing software. And so I kind of had this, this realization. I'm like, all right, I got to do something else, but I'm not sure what that is. And, um, I had a buddy who said, you know, Tom, I know you hate reading books, but I'm going to give you this book called the automatic millionaire. And I'm like, dude, I, I don't want to read a book. He's like, no, trust me, read it. It's going to help you out. And so reluctantly, I read the book and it kind of changed my mind. It was like, whoa, you know, I went from like, you know, living on my own at 16. I had three jobs. And so I never had this concept that like I could be a millionaire. And when I read the book, like it laid it out and it basically said, you know, if you're consistently putting money away and you're building on compound interest and letting time work, you can be a millionaire like by the time you retire. And I was like, wow, that like just changed my life. But then I looked at it and I'm like, you know, I don't want to wait 45 years to retire. Like that's not the life that I want for, you know, my then girlfriend and I. And so I set a goal to retire by 35. No idea how I was going to do it, but I just knew that like that was a good time frame to get a lot of failures in and then to find some successes along the way. So, so I laid that out. And I was off to the races. I'm like, how am I going to do this? Well, let me look at successful people. Uh, people invest in the stock market. Let me try that out. Um, I realized very quickly that I didn't have any money. And you typically need money to invest. And there was a lot to it. And I just couldn't figure it out. And so I went from stock market. I went to MLMs. I went to real estate investing. Just trying to figure something out. And every time I would try to make something work, my wife would just like shut it down. 
And so that was frustrating. And basically I was driving home from work one day just thinking like I'm never going to make this happen. And I heard an ad on the radio that basically said like, you know, looking to get out of your job, looking to build wealth. We've got this free two hour real estate training seminar. And I'm like, that's it. That's what I need. And so I went home, signed up for the two day sem or the two hour seminar. And basically you get there and they hype you up and then they sell you a $500 three day course. So I bought the three day course, went to that and learned a lot in the three day course. And at the end of it, they sell you like these really expensive packages. So my cousin and I were there and I was like, you know, I'm not, we, we don't have $15,000 that they wanted us to invest. I'm like, we'll just go figure this out on our own. And then I was, as I was getting ready to walk out of there, I'm like, you know, if I don't make this happen, like it's never going to happen. And so my cousin and I convinced ourselves to buy this $15,000 real estate training. Uh, I actually had to put it on two credit cards because I didn't even have, I didn't have money for it one, but I didn't even have one credit card that had that much space available on it. And, um, so <laughs> invested in this training, uh, didn't tell my wife, it was about nine months before we were getting married. And, uh, I kind of got home after that. And I was like, oh, crap. <laughs> so I ended up telling her, and you can imagine that she was not happy, right? We're planning for our wedding. We're about to get married. We had just bought a house. Uh, we had all this like student loan debt. And then I went and spent this money without even talking to her. So you can imagine that, you know, one, if you're listening to this, don't do that. <laughs> but, um, but two, what that forced for us was that we really had to sit down and have some tough conversations. And those conversations ended up being a blessing in disguise because we had to say, like, you know, what are you thinking? Why would you spend all that money and why wouldn't you talk to me? And what I realized when we had some of these conversations was I kept telling her what I wanted to do. Like I wanted to start a business. I wanted to invest in real estate. But what I didn't tell her was why I wanted to do it. And through our conversations, that came out. And my big why for her was I wanted to build a better life for ourselves. And I knew that wasn't going to happen by working a traditional job. And once we got aligned on that and she understood why, then we could start talking about, okay, what are our common goals? What does our life look like? And what do we want it to be in the future? And then now how we can talk about how do we make it happen? And once we did that, I mean, there were still a lot of challenges along the way, but at least being aligned made doing all the business stuff so much easier. And so... Uh, did you ever get any return of those 15000 <laughs> So I, we actually bought like these four real estate trainings. I went to the first one and it like wasn't valuable at all. And the other three were in like other cities. So I would have had to spend like thousands of dollars more to go. So I ended up not going to them. And I said, you know what? I have enough knowledge myself. And about two months later, we went and bought our first duplex. And then basically we ended up buying a handful of properties um, every couple of years for about the last 10 years. Nice. Yeah. Do you still, do you still invest in, in real estate currently? Yep. Yep. So we've, uh, we've had that business about 10 years. Uh, mostly we end up holding the properties we have. So we end up going with um, duplexes, fourplexes, some commercial. And uh, we end up, we sell some along the way. So like we flip some houses. Um, but we had that business for about 10 years. And then uh, a couple of years later, I kind of got the itch. I'm like, all right, we got to do something else. So I ended up starting our second business, which was actually a wine and liquor store. Wine and liquor. Wine and liquor, yeah. Yeah, so Gary V style. You know, it's funny you mentioned that. So I actually came across Gary V back when he was making his wine library TV videos. So before he's like the Gary V everybody knows now, like I was seeing him like review wine. <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah.
So, Tom, did that ever affect you, uh, you know, psychologically, the, those the, those 15 grand and so close to your wedding? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it um it definitely changed our relationship ultimately for the better, but it was it was tough having some of those conversations and we both had to really start to question like we're going to get married in in a couple of months, you know, is this really what we want to do? Um and then how are we going to communicate, right? Like cuz we can't have stuff like that happening in a marriage. Um beyond that, financially it impacted us. So, you know, we came out of college with about 60,000, no, actually about 75,000 in credit or uh, student loans. Uh, we ended up getting into credit card debt. We had about 25,000 in credit card debt. We had um, a loan for our wedding. So by the time we were like 24, we had like over $200,000 in debt. So we started out like on a, a giant hole, right? Like we, we had made some decisions without talking to each other. We got into a bunch of debt and that then took us years to figure out like, how do we pay off the debt? Um, how do we, you know, really get these businesses to be profitable to then bring in money to be able to do this stuff faster? So, I mean, the biggest impact it had um, from a negative perspective was it took us a lot longer to realize our dreams. But on the positive side, it made us come closer as a couple and it forced us to like go through all these challenges. Excuse me, before we got the success. Pretty cool. That's that's pretty good. So basically uh that, that's the the lesson there is you, you had something negative happen to you and you found the positive thing on it about it you and your wife had better communication from there on and uh, that probably helped you become who you are today that that lesson absolutely and and that's one of the things people don't realize is you know things are going to happen in life and whether they're good or bad is all in how you view it, right? So like there could be people that saw that, ended up in that situation and then just gave up or said it wasn't worth it. And I took that as a positive and said, you know what? We spent this money. I'm now going to go make it back by investing in real estate and then we'll build it from there. You know, so, so much of being successful is being able to see all those challenges you face and, and see the bright side of them and how they make you stronger and it can help make you more successful. So what is uh, the biggest lesson, I guess, out of, out of that? Yeah, you know, we find, so, so fast forward, we now have three businesses, and our third one is actually working with other entrepreneurs, specifically entrepreneurs with families, to help them really build the life that they want. And, you know, the biggest thing that we found that most people don't do that would help them be successful is to really think about the future right? People have heard about like creating a vision board or defining their why. And some people just brush it off. But it's so important to think about where do you want to be in the future? And then make sure that all the steps that you take are in the direction of that. So we, we work with a lot of people on helping them clarify what that looks like. And then we tell them it looks like, um, or it's kind of like GPS, right? If you're going to use GPS, you got to type in your current address where you're at today. You got to type in your destination or where you want to go and it maps out basically a plan for you. So that's what we all need to do with our lives. But then the key thing that GPS does is it checks in along the way. And if you get a little bit off, it says, you know, hey, you missed that turn, you know, rerouting. And that's the biggest thing that a lot of us got to do is we've got to define where we're at today, where we want to go and put the plan together. But then we got to constantly check in along the way to see if we're on the right path or if we've got to make some shifts along the way. No, that's you it, it seems like you have it figured out and uh, 
I love how it seems that you're so organized. So I have a little bit of, of a selfish question there, uh, because how how do you stay so focused? And that's I'm asking that actually for me because I I'm all over the place. I, I'm not a millennial, but it's it feels like I am. I'm always chasing the new shiny object. So yeah. how do you stay focused? Yeah, that's a great question. So a lot of it comes down to really that visioning and goal planning that we talk about. So for example, we've got a 10-year vision that we want to impact and help 100,000 entrepreneurs start and grow their business. So that's a pretty lofty goal. I have no idea how we're going to get there, but that gives us direction. It's kind of like the North Star. And then what we do is we break that down into, okay, well, what are some of the key things that have to happen let's say five years from now, and then three years from now, and then one year from now. And what that gives us is a path towards getting to that big impact goal that we have. And then in the current year, we break that down into 90-day chunks. So we're just about done with our first 90-day chunk, which is uh, January, February, March. And so when we break that down, we set up to three main goals that we're going to work on for those 90 days. And then anything that doesn't fit into those goals, we shift off and we say either no or not now. And then what that allows us to do, let's say, for example, um, let's say you're making uh, $1,000 a month in your business and you want to increase that to $5,000 a month. So you would say, okay, I want to go from $1,000 a month to $5,000 a month um, by uh, March 31st. And then what you would do is say, okay, well, how do I make $1,000? Well, my product that I sell is $100. So I have to sell 10 of them. So in order to make $5,000, now I can start brainstorming. Do I sell just more of the same product or do I introduce maybe a new product? So I kind of figure out how I'm envisioning that I'm actually going to make that happen. And then I work backwards. So I say, how am I going to sell or how do I sell those 100 products today? Well, I know that if 10 people go to my website, one of them is going to buy. So my key activity that I got to focus on is getting more people to my website, because if I can get more people to my website, that's going to, in theory, convert into more sales. And now I know that my core focus to achieve that goal is to get more people to my website and make sure that one out of 10 is buying and maybe even increase that so that I get two out of 10 or three out of 10 buying. So now when you get something else that comes in, like someone says, oh, you should be doing uh, Facebook Messenger bots. If that doesn't align with your 90-day plan, you say, that sounds cool, but I'm going to put it off into Q2. And then when I plan for the next 90 days, I'll see if it ties into my goal there. Nice. And so all your plans are 90-day plans. Yep. But then what we do in, in the meantime is we break those down into one week, what's called sprints. And so basically at the beginning of the week, we plan out the week and say, here's the key things we're going to do. And then like my wife and I and our teams get together every morning for a quick 15 minute meeting and we basically check in, you know, what'd you do yesterday? What'd you get done? What do you got to get done today? And then do you have to work with anyone else or do you need any help? And by doing that, we all are on the same page. Then we break off and we all go do our stuff. And then at the end of the week, we look back and say, you know, did we achieve our goals? What things went well and what didn't go well? And then just like the GPS, what do we got to adjust next week to make sure that we're on track? Nice. So, so Tom, when when the, the new shiny object so, shows up, like let's say you should do uh, Facebook Messenger bots, and if, if you actually believe that is a a great idea, where do you store these ideas? Yep. So, great question. Um, we dump most of our ideas into Evernote. 
So anytime, like, and that's a, that's a great point because as entrepreneurs, like I'm the idea guy, I have a million ideas a minute. And so my wife is the very practical, she's like the implementer. So, um, one of the big things we had to figure out was that I'm going to dump my ideas into an idea file. And then every 90 days, we're going to go back and look at that and say, you know, are any of these important enough to pop up to the top where maybe we focus on them? So from my perspective, it helps make sure that I don't lose them. But then we have a time to talk about it and say, is this really a good idea, something we should pursue? Or did it sound good a couple of months ago, but now it doesn't make sense? That's that's perfect. So that that would be something like the these new apps that we pop, see pop up every day that are, okay, this is the way to the future, but two weeks from now, it, it's not there anymore. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, I mean, last week I was at um, a conference called Social Media Marketing World, and you can imagine that, like, from talking to people and going to sessions, there's so many new ideas, and obviously Messenger Bots is on the top of my mind because there was a lot of topics on it. Um, so I had talked to a bunch of people, but we're not doing anything with that right now. We're potentially looking at doing that for our wine and liquor store to help with, like, customer loyalty and, and doing some of that, but that's a next quarter thing. So I brought the idea back. We talked about it, but then I left it in an Evernote to say, all right, we'll revisit this in the future. Pretty good. So I, I see you still have your, your wine and liquor store. That's still an existing bit of business. Yep. So we've had that about five and a half years. Okay. And this is not really related to failures, but how is it working with your partner? You work full time together, do you? Yep. Yep. How is that? It is one of the best things and one of the most challenging things at the same time. <laughs> so uh, I was going to say, um, when we started working together, so she left her job first when our daughter was born. And then I ended up still working um, a traditional job for a couple of years. So it was interesting to try to get used to working with each other then. And then when I ended up leaving a full-time job and became a full-time entrepreneur, we were together all the time. And one of the biggest things that we figured out was that we kept butting heads and we're like, why, why, why is this happening? Like we're married, we got all this good stuff going on. Why are we butting heads? And we ended up taking like every personality test that we could find. And when we started looking at the results, we were literally the complete opposite on these tests. And so after we read like the reports, it made a lot of sense. It was like, okay, I'm the big picture thinker. This is kind of like how I operate and you're the detail person and this is how you operate. And instead of seeing that as like we're complete opposites, it's not going to work. What we figured out was, okay, we just got to make sure we're each playing the right role. And as long as that happens and we start figuring out how to communicate with each other, this will work. And that's actually what's happened. You know, there's always challenges that still come up, but we figured out like, here's how we communicate. Here's the roles that we're each good at. And here's the roles we're not good at. And we're going to hire somebody else in to help us. Yeah, that's, that's perfect. So I have, I have something similar right now. I have, it's me and my wife. Although I do, um, <clears throat> sorry, we, we use each other's strengths too. Uh, and everybody focuses on one and we are, exactly the opposite I, i'm more <laughs> you know i I'm, i'm like you a bit like the the creative thinker i'm always having new ideas and she is the one that has to put a little bit of a stop to it she is less <laughs> less take action she's more let's think about this for a couple months yeah so uh, and i want when i think of something i want to start implementing it that second so i often have 23 uh, browse, um, different windows open with, <laughs> uh, landing pages and click funnels and all that stuff. And 
Well, I was gonna say, you know, it, like we we work with so many entrepreneurs, and, and a lot of them are families or couples, and that pattern is so common. There's usually one person that's the entrepreneur, and then one that's a little more kind of, you know. Uh, resistant. And, um, my wife actually used to call herself the reality checker because every time I would have these ideas, she's like, all right, let's pull it back to reality and see what we can actually do. And, um, you know, we actually, so we have a podcast called lifestyle builders and we actually did an episode last week on how to get your spouse on board. And part of that's getting them on board with the initial idea of being an entrepreneur. But then it's also like, here's what our life is going to look like for the short term as we try to start this business. But then here's what it can look like long term. And it's it's having those conversations and getting aligned on here's what we want to do long term. So now let's figure out how to do it short term and what roles each of us play. Sounds really good, Tom. So, Tom, um, we're, we're coming up here on time and uh, I want to be respectful of your time, but I have a ton of questions more. And so one of the questions in that I, I ask everybody is, was there a book, and you mentioned one earlier, uh, The Instant Millionaire, was it? Uh, the Automatic Millionaire. Automatic Millionaire. Um, besides that, is there any book that as you felt it actually changed you? by? Yeah, I could probably list about 100. Um, but the next one that followed up The Automatic Millionaire was one that a lot of people probably heard of. It's called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And both of those books, um, you know, especially at that time in my life when I was kind of new into this world, I didn't really know what to expect. Uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad really changed the way I thought about things. And the key concept there is, you know, what's an asset and what's a liability? And most of us will hear like, you know, buy a house, um, you know, it's the best investment you'll ever make. But what he said was basically if you buy a house, you're going to put money into it every month and you're not going to make any money out of it. So what he said was, you know, start looking at things that give you money every month and that's how you build wealth. And so after reading that, that's what really got me interested in real estate because I'm like, you know, we could buy this house. Uh, we could use somebody else's money to buy it. We could have a tenant in there who's going to pay our mortgage. Plus, they're going to pay us every month. We get these tax deductions. And 15 years from now, we own this property free and clear. And if we just keep doing that a handful of times, like we can be millionaires like without having to to do a ton of stuff so that really changed my mind and got me into real estate and that that's a good thing because thanks to that book uh rich dad poor dad it actually to be completely honest i did not read it i haven't read it yet it came out in 97 and i guess in 2017 he did a relaunch of it and i i didn't read e either one of them but it did <laughs> save my my butt per se, uh, because of a friend that read it. I had, I had uh, north from from where I am now. Um, I had a couple houses, and I I bought them. And then when I moved here, uh, when I was going to have the twins, I thought about buying a house in this city where I am now. And I mentioned it to my friend. I know he's all into real estate, and I mentioned I actually I was hoping to get his. Yes, go ahead and do it. That's what I was hoping to hear. And he told me, uh, he said, no, man, rich dad, poor dad. I said, well, what does that mean? <laughs> don't, don't buy the house that you're going to live in. That's not an investment. And uh, I, I actually followed what he told me, and I didn't buy it. And because I was, uh, I was and I am, I, I sell on Amazon 
And he, he said, with that money that you invest in product, you can get your 20 or 25% returns monthly instead of actually, I wouldn't get a return from the house because some things happened and the current owner actually had to fix everything himself. And yeah. that, that would have been lots. So that book actually saved me without even without reading it. Yeah, very nice. Uh, so Tom, one more. If the people listening to us, if there's, if they only learn one thing today, what would you like them to it to be? Yeah. Well, so given that we're on the the fail fast podcast, um, failure is a part of the journey, and you're gonna fail probably more times than you think. But the the reason I love the name of this podcast is because failures are only a problem when they happen infrequently. And when you try to avoid failure, what tends to happen is everything stacks up and it ends up becoming a big failure that like drags you apart. So what you want to do instead is you want to focus on having small failures all the time, right? So if we go back to that GPS analogy, if you're like not checking in and then you check in two hours later and you realize you missed a turn, now you got to do this like huge correction to get back on track. But if you're checking in, let's say every five minutes, when you realize that you missed a turn, now it's only a small course correction. And that's what failures are. If you try to avoid failures and, and you never want to have them, you're going to end up having big failures and they're going to derail you. But if you constantly focus on saying, how do I get small failures and how do I constantly test myself? You're going to make all these small failures, but they're going to be easy to recover from. And every time you make one of those small failures, you're going to be a little more resilient. And by the time you get to the point where you're ready to have success, you're going to have been through so many of those small failures that you're like, this is good. I got this. Tom, that is beautiful. I agree. Agree 100% with that. And even if it's a bigger one, it only counts as a failure if you don't get up when you fall. If you get up and you keep Absolutely. going, you will still reach where the GPS is taking you. It will just You just have to brush your knees and go. Absolutely. And, and I mean, you know, one of the biggest things with that is surround yourself with good people, surround yourself with people that are going to help you see that, help you get past it and lift you up and be like, look, this was just a step in the journey, right? Keep going with it because you've done so much. You just got to do a little bit more. That is great. Okay. So Tom, if, if anybody in your, in our audience wants to reach you, where can they find you? Yeah, so uh, my wife and I have a bunch of stuff going on. We've got a podcast, like I mentioned, Lifestyle Builders. Uh, we've got a community where we work with entrepreneurs. But you can find all of that at TomAndAriana.com. Tom, thank you so much for coming to the podcast. We'll stay in touch, of course, and uh, I hope to hear from you soon. Perfect. Thanks for having me on, man. It's been a blast. Thank you. You have a great one. Thanks. You too. Thanks, Tom.